Hello and welcome back to Bible Plus. Today we'll be discussing 1 Peter 5 and considering what Peter's overarching message has been to us. Chapter 5 begins with Peter's exhortation to elders. I echo Connor's word in chapter 3 regarding the exhortation to the married. Even if you are not an elder in the church, these verses still contain an important principle for you. As believers, we should all have some that we are caring for, that we are shepherding. I believe that if you open to the Lord, you will find that there are some he has placed in your life to care for, whether your peers or some younger in the faith. This passage at the beginning of chapter 5 shows us the clear principle of care. First, we should be among them, not above them or apart from them. Second, our care for them is according to God, not according to man, certainly not according to ourselves. Sometimes we sense the Lord has placed us among some who are not good candidates or not according to our preference. God is not a respecter of persons, and our shepherding care should be according to him and not human preference. Third, and this is precious, we should present ourselves as patterns, not as somehow higher than others, not as those who know more than others. Our primary means of shepherding should be our living. Chapter 5 goes on to counsel us in verse 7 to cast all your anxiety on him because it matters to him concerning you. This is surely a very comforting verse, and it touches our heart that God cares about you, about me, not just the body of Christ, not just the church as a whole, but you. He cares about you. This verse grows even more powerful in the context of the chapter and the book as a whole. As several of the brothers before me have pointed out, 1 Peter is a book about the government of God and the believer's response to suffering. Here, Peter's exhortation is to give all the anxiety that comes from suffering, all the fear, and leave it with the Lord. Henry Alfred, a Greek scholar, describes this as the whole of anxiety. Not just every separate anxiety as it arises, the quality of our being that possesses anxiety. Give that to the Lord. Peter goes on to identify the source of anxiety, Satan. Verses 8 and 9 continue the thought in verse 7. Be sober, watch. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about, seeking someone to devour. Him withstand, being firm in your faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being accomplished among your brotherhood in the world. Peter exposes our opponent, our adversary, and his tactics. He wants to make us anxious. He plagues us with anxiety. He makes us feel that we are the unique believer, even the unique person who is suffering in this way. Peter reminds us first, our Lord cares for us, for you. Second, our faith is in Christ, not in a circumstance. When we believe into the eternal one, the temporal cannot trouble us. And finally, we exist as believers in the body of Christ. Our brothers and sisters are with us, supporting us, caring for us in this trial. This book concludes by bringing us to the God of all grace in verse 10 and the result of sufferings in the Christian life encountered with grace, perfecting, establishing, strengthening, and grounding. This book is a strong encouragement to us as believers, though we may suffer for a little while, 
the perfecting, the establishing, the strengthening, the grounding that God is accomplishing in that suffering are eternal. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.17, Our momentary lightness of affliction is working out for us more and more surpassingly an eternal weight of glory. I want to zoom out for a moment and attempt a concluding word on 1 Peter. In a book on God's government, a book concerned with the suffering of a believer, in which we are told that judgment is beginning from the house of God, Peter mentions grace throughout. We find that those suffering because of a consciousness of God are stewards of the varied grace of God, that our hope is grace being brought at the revelation of Christ, that we are the heirs of the grace of life. Those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God receive grace. Ultimately, we meet the God of all grace. God's grace is operating within his government. As he judges, as he permits the proving fire to touch his believers, grace is present. This breaks our concept of these two terms, judgment and grace. How could they coexist? But chapter 5 verse 10 shows us clearly that grace is operating in our little while sufferings to mature us, to perfect us, and to ground us in the faith. The lesson of 1 Peter is, is that suffering can and will happen to Christians because Christians are human beings living in a fallen, cursed world. But 1 Peter also points us to the marvelous reality of encountering grace in the middle of suffering. Rather than merely endure, barely making it through, human suffering can result in an eternal glory to God if we find God's grace in our trial. We should never pray for trials. Trials are coming regardless. In the midst of our suffering, we should pray that the Lord would add grace to our trial, to come in as the God of all grace, and to make us stewards of his varied grace, so that this trial would not just be another struggle of human life, but an opportunity, a seized opportunity, for an eternal weight of glory. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with Peter's second epistle.